Welcome to the Pod Pros series of Indian Podcasting Revolution. In this series, we sit across some leading podcast experts from across the globe to do some crystal ball gazing around the rise of podcasts. They share with us the tips, strategies, and the disruptive work they are doing in the world of podcasting. I'm your host and founder of Done for You Podcast, Roshni Paronia, and why wait further? Let's jump right in. Whether you are a budding podcaster or a seasoned veteran, gaining and retaining listeners for your podcast is always a tough nut to crack. Truth be told, there isn't a straightforward or sure shot way to achieve growth. Or maybe there is and we don't know it yet. So in today's episode, we are going to demystify cost-effective and result-oriented audience growth strategies for independent podcasters. And the best person to know it from is someone whom I have always seen coming up with innovative and unimaginable ways of podcast promotion. I'm talking about Ariel Nissenblatt as a seasoned professional of the podcasting world. She's the community marketing manager at Descript and founder of Earbuds Podcast Collective. And she does many other things. So I don't think I can squeeze all of that in one description. So probably Ariel, you can tell yourself and welcome to Indian Podcasting Revolution. Thank you for having me. I definitely do do a lot, but you covered the main things. Yeah, the, the headlines. <laughs> so first up, Ariel, can you share a bit about your foray into the podcasting space? If you could just take us back in time to share how that happened, specifically the podcasting space. I have been working in the podcast space full time since officially 2019, but I've been doing audio related things since 2017. In 2017, I started a podcast recommendation newsletter that you mentioned. It's called Earbuds Podcast Collective. And the reason I started that newsletter was many fold. I wanted to listen to more podcasts. I wanted to listen to other people's favorite podcasts. I wanted to help creators get their podcasts to their potential perfect listener. I wanted to help the industry grow. And I wanted to help myself. I wanted to get a job in podcasting. So I started this newsletter as a way of making people need to talk to me. Because if I started a newsletter that worked by way of highlighting other podcasts, then podcasters would want to be in that newsletter. So I used it as an excuse to reach out to people and say, hey, I'd love to feature you in my newsletter. Can we have a phone call? Can I learn about how you got into the podcast space? Can I can I potentially feature you? And then that helped me build goodwill with people. So I started that newsletter almost seven years ago. And yeah, I, and I've been sending it out every Sunday ever since then. Sometimes I send it on Monday, but it does go out every single week. And that newsletter allowed me to build a name for myself in audio, in podcasting. And since then, I've worked as an in-app curator at CastBox. I worked as a studio manager at a co-working space in Los Angeles. I have done consulting projects with creators, both on marketing strategy, but also content. And for the past three plus years, I've worked at Squadcast. And then Squadcast was acquired by Descript very recently. So now I work at Descript. And that is a snapshot of the jobs that I've held in the audio space. And then, of course, I work on my own projects on the side. I host a few podcasts about 
podcasting and then I'm always experimenting with other things going on. I, I really like to keep up with creator tools and really like to put myself in the shoes of creators. So I make sure to stay a creator myself. Yeah. And that's so important because that's why what I see in your initiatives is it's a very open initiative to create mutual value. So like you started your newsletter, it was more about you learning more about the podcasters, but in the end, it benefited the entire community and the industry because yeah, running a newsletter for seven years is quite a long stretch and kudos to the consistency and dedication. So today we want to talk about uh, Ariel cost-effective strategies for audience growth for independent podcasters because they are always stretched for resources, be it money-wise, time-wise, or simply the effort that they can put into the podcasting space because many of them are uh, doing podcasting as a side hustle. They have a day job and then they have to run podcast also. So in your experience, what strategies have consistently shown best results for podcasters looking to grow their audience? And are there any particular channels or tactics that stand out? Yeah. So the first thing I tell people when they ask me where they should be spending money is, have you done everything that you can without spending money? And I think a lot of people jump to, I just want to throw money at it before they do admittedly hard work of organic growth or growth that is non-money oriented. And what I mean by that is, you know, have you exhausted all of your promo swaps? Have you exhausted all of your feed swaps? Have you exhausted all of your potential collaboration opportunities? Have you pitched yourself to be featured in newsletters? Have you pitched your podcast to be written about in local newspapers or even newspapers that are national or international that might cover topics in your podcast area? Have you pitched yourself to be featured on podcast listening apps for free? You know, there's there's a lot of things that you can do and that even if you do end up spending money, you should probably do these these non-monetary things in conjunction with the monetary things. So I always want to make sure that people are aware of all of those possibilities before and while they do spend money. If you do want to spend money, there are a few places that I recommend spending money. There are a few places that I recommend not spending money or spending money with a caveat. So for example, if you plan on, I think one really easy way to spend money, one really easy place to throw your money is Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, because they just make it very easy to take your money and to target or in theory, to target your potentially perfect audience. They say, you know, if your podcast is targeting podcasters in India, we can send this ad to people in India between the ages of 18 and 34 who have liked something or who, yeah, who are part of groups that are podcast related or who have liked This American Life or who have liked, you know, specific fan pages that are related to podcasting. So it seems like that would be a really great way to spend money because it seems super targeted. But it's not often going to be as great as it sounds. And also social media is not the best place to ask for action from somebody who is being targeted for your ad. And what I mean by that is if you're sitting at the end of the day scrolling on social media and an ad pops up on your feed, you might not click on that ad. You might just consume it. And yes, that's an impression. And yes, overall, 
it, it might add to somebody's perception of who you are. And maybe the next time they see your ad or if they see you pop up on a podcast listening app in the future, or if they see you for a third time somewhere down the line, the fact that they did, that they were served an ad for you on Facebook might have contributed to the fact that they are going to press play on that. But it's such a long game and I don't think it's the best way to spend your money. However, if you want somebody to visit your website or if you want somebody to like your page on Facebook or if you want somebody to maybe sign up for a newsletter that they would get if they clicked on this ad and then went to your website, those are all things that Facebook is pretty good at optimizing for. So I one time ran an ad for my podcast recommendation newsletter and the stated goal of the ad was just to get more people to like my page on Facebook. They're going to do a great job at that because they want to keep people on Facebook. What they don't necessarily want to do is send people off of Facebook to go and listen to a podcast that first of all, Facebook wants to keep people on Facebook. Second of all, people who are on Facebook at the end of the day, scrolling, sitting on their couch are not looking to change their behavior and go and listen to a podcast right, right then and there. So Social media can be great, can be a great place to spend money, can be a great place to spend your time, but I don't think it's the most effective way of spending money to grow your podcast. I've also seen a very low conversion rate from social media to podcast listening per se. So the podcast brand can grow on social media itself, but the listenership onto the podcast app or the platform is not necessarily being directed by social media. So thanks for highlighting that. But you also mentioned that it's a great idea to pitch yourself and your podcast to newsletters. So you run such a brilliant newsletter. If someone pitches to you, what do you look for in that podcast pitch to be featured as a good show? So when I receive pitches for my newsletter, what's interesting is that I'm very obvious in all of the documentation around my newsletter about how you can pitch me. The way my newsletter works, and this is stated, is that each week is curated by a different person. Anyone can curate a list. You can submit your show to be featured as part of a list that you submit. So if you are a podcaster, if you happen to host a podcast about India, Indian podcasters or for Indian podcasters, you can submit a list to me of your top, your top five Indian podcasts. And you can you can include one of your own episodes as part of that. Anybody can do that. Of course, when I receive all of these lists and I have a backlog of like 40 lists that I've received, even more that, you know, over the years that we've rejected, whatever, we're, we're going to be selective, right? We want to uphold quality. We want to uphold well-curated lists. And that is something that's subjective and up to me and the person who works for me, whose name is Devin, who's awesome. And so we receive these lists and we, if we like the concept of your pitch, we'll, but, but it's maybe not all the way there. We'll reach back out to you and we'll say, you know, we like this idea, but we need to change the title. We like this idea, but you know, like let's consider going in this direction. So we'll work with you if, if we like the concept of your list. So that is you know, stated right then and there, if you go to earbuds.audio, you will see that you can submit a list. In every issue of our newsletter, we have a link that says curate a list. In every episode of our podcast that goes along with the newsletter, which is called Feedback with Earbuds, we, in our show notes, have a link where you can submit a list. That is open to everybody. We also have not such obvious ways of submitting. You know, you can in every issue of the newsletter, we have a community section. And in at the bottom of that community section, we have a link where you can submit news. And we consider that news and consider it to be featured in the newsletter. 
We also have a classified section where you can pay to be featured. We also have sponsored ads where you can pay to be featured. A number of different tiers, you know, so you can sponsor the newsletter on the whole. You can sponsor a section of the newsletter. You can sponsor the spotlight section of the newsletter. Those are all open to you as well. And then we also take traditional pitches in the sense that like I'll receive emails that are like, hi, Ariel, reaching out with a podcast that I think you might like. Would you consider this to be featured in your newsletter? To which I usually say something like, hi, yes, we can feature this in the classified section. Hi, yes, we can feature this in the community section. But also you can just submit via the form in the community section. And usually when somebody pitches me like that, I know that they don't read the newsletter because if they read the newsletter, they would know that you can go through these existing channels. Right. So I, as somebody who also pitches my podcast and podcasts that I work with to be featured in newsletters, I really do try to go through existing channels because I know that the people who have taken the time to create those existing channels will appreciate that. So I highly recommend when you're pitching me, now you know, you've heard me say this, that you can submit a list. There are channels that you can go through to submit that list. But when you're pitching other newsletters, make sure that you are subscribe to that newsletter. Make sure that you've read a few issues of that newsletter. Make sure that if there are existing channels that you are utilizing those existing channels because the people that are vetting the responses will appreciate that. Thanks for sharing the process. But I also wanted to touch upon, like, is there any particular kind of podcast, genre, or the way it is done, or the quality of the podcast? Are these the factors and the parameters that you take in consideration before doing that feature? Not really. I really, if you'll look at the archive that we have, which goes back to 2017, we have featured all sorts of podcasts in terms of genre, in terms of quality. Like I've featured some pretty low quality podcasts because the concept is great. Or, and and, you know, I'm not going to make a disclaimer because there are reasons for a podcast being low quality. It could be that they don't have the resources to make it super high quality, or it could be that they're just starting out and maybe their podcast will improve. I don't tend to be super precious about that. I do like to have a balance, you know, like if in in a month, I'm not going to feature four lists that are all low quality podcasts. I'm going to want to vary that a little bit. So we do try to spread the wealth essentially, but I really do try to stay diverse in terms of curators, genre, types, you know, like quality of podcasts. In every lane, we do try to stay as diverse as possible. Mm. That's super helpful because like you said earlier, the intention of the newsletter or the initiative that you do is ultimately to help the podcasters and especially the independent podcasters. So it's more important to focus and feature them rather than just going into the nitty gritties of how they have made the podcast. So that's super effective. And you also touched upon communities. And I think that I have also personally observed this, that podcast promotion within a particular community is to a large extent very effective. But uh, what's your take on it? It depends on the community. So if I think a mistake that a lot of creators, a lot of podcasters make when they're first starting out is thinking that other podcast creators are their listeners. And that is just not the case. So a lot of people, I, I run a community on Twitter called the podcasting community on Twitter. I want to say two years ago, Twitter released this feature called communities. So now you can tweet within specific communities. And I co-run one of those communities with my friend Albin Brook, who works at Buzzsprout. And we get people requesting to join the community all the time. We allow them in. 
in theory, they read the rules that say that they should not be just dropping links to their own podcast episodes, but they do anyway. And then we hide those posts. And then people wonder, why are we hiding those posts? This is a podcast community to which I say, first of all, you should have read the rules. Second of all, we want to keep this high quality. We want people to ask questions, share ideas, you know, crowdsource ideas for their holiday episode roundup, whatever. We don't want people to just be dropping episodes of their own podcasts because these are not your listeners. The people who are spending their days creating podcasts are not going to listen to your podcast about coffee. It's just, it's it's not the place. So I think a, a mistake that a lot of creators make is joining groups for podcasters, joining groups for creators, and hoping that those are going to be their listeners. They're not going to be your listeners. You, you need to spend time thinking about where your listeners reside or where your ideal listener resides. What social platforms are they on? What community platforms are they on? How can you be somebody who provides value to those people so that they trust you so that they go and click on the links in your bio and love your podcast? So spending time figuring out where those people are is going to take a lot of time, but be really helpful for you in the long run. And a a large part of it is being active on social, providing value on social, and not immediately expecting people to follow you right away. You're going to have to spend some time building up authority in that space. Yes, exactly. And you rightly said that a podcaster community is probably more of a support group to you rather than the listener group to you. So that's very helpful. And on a different tangent, have you also seen podcasters leveraging offline activities? to promote their podcast. Does that help? It can. I think, I mean, when I first, I'll give the example of when I started my newsletter. So not exactly the same because it's a newsletter, not a podcast. Although now I do have a podcast that goes along with the newsletter. I wanted to do in-person events because I wanted, I, I love gathering people. And my thought was if I host storytelling evening And at the sign-up table, when people arrive, they can also opt in to receive my newsletter. That could be a really great way to get people to subscribe to my newsletter, know who I am, spread the message to their friends, and also have a really great night. So I had this, I did three storytelling nights, one in New York, two in Los Angeles. And every time I did that, it did not directly contribute to hundreds of new subscribers, but what it did do is let people know who I am. Let people know that I am obsessed with storytelling. Let people know that I am obsessed with podcasts. And it grew my overall pers- the people's perception of me and my portfolio. So events can help, but they might not be as direct as you hope they are. And that's okay. I think if you have this podcast, if you have a podcast that serves Indian podcasters and you want to have an event that is more of a support slash networking slash happy hour. That's a great thing to do for people to know who you are, but it may not make all of those people listen to your podcast that night, but that's okay. You know, it might make people think of your podcast as a resource, pitch themselves to be guests, guests pitch you. Like maybe they want to have you on their podcast and that's a great thing to do. Maybe you have a podcast about therapy and you want to do an event where you gather people to talk about therapy, how to find a therapist, what have been really effective moments of therapy for them. You know, that that could be a really great community space to create. And maybe then on their way out, they take little image card that has a QR code for your podcast. And if they, if they liked you so much and they liked the community that they found during this event, maybe they're going to scan that QR code and become a listener to your podcast. I don't necessarily think it matters 
that your event is a huge converter or not. I think ultimately you just want to present yourself as an authority in this space. And of course, you don't want to miss out on obvious potential listeners. So having visual takeaways is important. So having a QR code, having your cover art just displayed prominently so that they can recognize it if they see it elsewhere is important. Having multi-sensory opportunities during your event is important. So if you plan to play your podcast, don't just make people stare, sit and stare. You probably want some sort of visual something going on as well. Have an audiogram, make it into script, have some captions, and make it really obvious for people what your podcast looks and sounds like. I think that will go a long way. Back to your original question, though, do communal spaces work? They can, but, you know, they also cannot. And that's okay. It's all about experimenting. You said this at you said this at the beginning. Some there is not one thing that makes a podcast grow. Thing. So yes. while you're figuring that out, you are going to have to be willing to guess and check. You're going to have to be willing to spend time and money. Exactly. So like we touched upon the social, the newsletter, the offline events, all are indirect ways. Like they will build the brand and the recognition for the podcast, but not necessarily the download or the listenership. Then what is the direct way? The best way to grow your podcast is to borrow audience from other podcasts. And I mean, that's, I'll say the most direct way, the most direct way to grow your podcast is to be exactly where podcast listeners are when they are ready to hit play on an episode. If you are featured on Apple Podcasts, new and noteworthy, and you are prominently placed, then somebody who is scrolling and comes across your podcast and is ready to listen will hit that. And if they like you, they'll become a listener. If they don't like you, maybe they'll listen to an episode or two and then leave you. And that's okay. That is the best way, but it is not something that you can rely on. What you can rely on and what you have a lot more flexibility with is borrowing audience from existing audiences. So if you have a podcast about therapy and your podcast, let's say, is about finding a therapist in your area and the benefits of therapy. So it's not therapy. Your podcast is not therapy. You should not listen to a podcast in replacement of therapy. You should probably go to therapy if you are seeking a therapist. But let's say your podcast is about seeking a therapist, finding the right therapist for you. There's interviews with therapists. There's interviews with people who have benefited from therapy. And you want to grow that podcast. A great thing to do would be to identify a bunch of other podcasts that are similar, that are not exactly the same. Hopefully your podcast is different. Hopefully your podcast has a unique selling point. So identify a bunch of podcasts that are similar to yours. Listen to those podcasts. This is similar to what I said about newsletters when you're pitching yourself. You want to figure out what is unique about this show, what existing opportunities they have within the show that you could tap into. So for example, maybe another podcast about therapy has an opportunity for listeners to call in and share some advice. Maybe you can be a listener. Maybe you can be a listener who calls in and shares advice. And then in your sign-off, you can say, by the way, I have a podcast about X, Y, and Z. Or maybe you take a more indirect approach and you send them an email and you say, hi, I've been listening to your show for a while. My show is similar, though not exactly the same. And I would love if we could set up some sort of collaboration. Do you want to set up a promo swap? And that that's an official thing to do where you can have that person do a 30-second promo read for your podcast at the front of their show, and you could do the same for them. And that's a really great way to potentially expose your show to a bunch of other listeners, and you can do the same for that podcast in exchange. So that is one way that you can expose your podcast to another audience, to borrow audience from another podcast. There are other ways to do it as well. 
You know, you can do it by way of a feed swap. That would mean putting an entire episode of your podcast on somebody else's feed and then doing the same for them. This might be a very large lift and maybe not something that you're comfortable with, but there are examples of podcasts that do it really well. And I can share some of those examples, whether it's here or in the show notes. Not sure how much time we have for all of this, but those are really great ways to borrow audience and expose your podcast to audience that might be perfect for you. And you might be saying, Ariel, but if I direct people to another podcast, won't they leave my podcast? And the answer is hopefully not if your podcast is good enough, but also people who listen to podcasts tend to listen to more than one podcast. There's usually room in their ears, room in their hearts for more than one podcast. So if your podcast is a great show, if it's high quality, if it genuinely delivers great content to the ears of your listeners, they should not leave you for another podcast. It should just add to their listening portfolio. That's so beautifully said. So ultimately, content quality and consistency wins above all to grow the audience and gain that love and trust of your audience. Awesome. So yeah, last question, uh, Ariel, what is the biggest podcasting trend you are most excited about? For creators. For creators. What am I most excited about? Well, the thing that comes to mind immediately for me is experimenting with video clips. I do think that, and it's funny because I, I was resistant to this. I still am resistant to this to a certain extent because I am somebody who likes to listen. I don't like to have video up while I'm while I'm listening to podcasts. It's not how I prefer to consume podcasts. However, it is undeniable that people are discovering podcasts, podcasters, by way of clips on social media. When people are scrolling on TikTok, when people are scrolling on Instagram Reels, when people are scrolling on YouTube Shorts, they are coming across these kind of like what has become typical looking videos of people in a studio with microphones chatting. And sometimes these clips are funny. Sometimes these clips are informative. Sometimes these clips are just entertaining. And those clips are going to expose people to podcasts. And what they'll do then is maybe watch that podcast if that podcast is available in full on YouTube. But it will also cause people to take that in and think, okay, you know, I liked what this person said. They want to consume it more and I want to consume it on the go. Therefore, I'm going to go to Spotify. I'm going to go to Apple Podcasts. I'm going to go to my podcast listening app of choice and I'm going to search for that person's name or I'm going to search for that title if it was displayed prominently. And I'm going to recognize the cover art because hopefully the cover art will be obvious enough in that clip that you saw. And I'm going to subscribe to that podcast. I'm going to follow that podcast. I'm going to try to listen to that podcast. Where we're coming across issues is a lot of the people who are discovering podcasts by way of clips are used to consuming that content in 30 or 60 second time periods. So maybe they like you in long form, maybe they don't, but they are definitely coming across you in short form. So making your podcast available is probably something to at least experiment with by way of short video clips. So that is something that I'm excited about, and it is very easy to do if you're recording like this. We're recording right now on Riverside, but you can also record on Squadcast and easily bring that into Descript, and then you can make your clips, and you can post them, and you can experiment with that. You can experiment with different fonts. You can experiment with different waveforms. You can experiment with different ways to show that this is a short clip, but if you want more, go and check out my latest episode wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's the standard like <laughs> wherever yeah. you listen to your podcast. <laughs> so interesting. Thank you so much, Ariel, for sharing so much of information and 
bringing a, a little bit of clarity as to yes there is no one straightforward way but you have to do multiple other things to build the brand of your podcast and it it is a consistent effort ongoing effort that every podcaster needs to do and i think there is an element of fun in doing that as well so thank you so much and where can people connect with you thank you for having me i can be found pretty much anywhere if you search my name i am on twitter I am on Instagram, I'm on threads, I'm on everywhere, but the best way to find everything that I do is my personal website, ariellnissenblatt.com. <laughs> awesome, awesome. We'll mention that in the show notes and yeah, thank you once again. Thank you for having me. Hope this conversation helps you with your podcasting journey whether you are an emerging or an established podcaster. For more such podcast insights, follow Indian Podcasting Revolution and if you want help with the launch, management or growth of your podcast, check out our website www.dfip.in which is the acronym for Done for You podcast because you see we like to keep things simple. And yes, if you wish to be a part of an exclusive podcaster community, join the waitlist from the link given in show notes. That's all for Pod Pros at Indian Podcasting Revolution this week. We shall meet again in the next episode.